Lord Jesus, as we have been praying and preparing for this morning, we continue to pray now. May you come and just make yourself known in the presence of your people. Would you come and speak your word to our hearts? May we experience your presence and may we be different because of it this morning, I pray. Come and have your way. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our church service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this year, uh, for Christmas, or leading up to Christmas, we've been trying something new for us. It's it's in no way new, but it's new to us, in just walking through Advent. Uh, There are four weeks of Advent, where each week leading up to Christmas, you kind of focus uh, on a different characteristic, or uh, a different uh, product that Christmas is supposed to produce in us. And so, in the first week, uh, Brian Hayes shared, and he shared on hope. How as we come to celebrate this Christmas season, hope should be a natural byproduct of our celebration. Last week, uh, we looked at, there's actually, there was two, depending on your tradition, two things they focus on in the second week. Uh, Most commonly is peace. Uh, We touched on peace, but often the second week is looked at as a week of preparation, a week of preparing ourselves uh, for the celebration that is to come. And this week we come and we're going to focus on joy, the week of joy. Joy is really often like associated with the Christmas story. This is a season of joy. When we think of the Christmas story, it's like this joyous time. We have, you ever seen the cute little nativity scenes? Everyone's always happy and they're somehow they're adults, but they look like babies. We get weird with our nativity scenes, but that is a completely separate thing. When you think of the Christmas story, what tends to come to mind? Jesus. Jesus. It's a big one. Don't leave that one out. Yes. Jesus. What else? Okay, shepherds and wise men coming to, to visit Jesus in the stable. The star that God used to lead the wise men to Bethlehem. What else? Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of stuff that, stories that whether they have been added or it's just kind of traditional, you know, that there's certain kind of characters that were there. Like, like how many wise men showed up? We have no idea. It just says wise men came. They brought three gifts, but traditionally we tend to think of like three wise men showing up. When did the wise men show up? Now we can, we're a little hip to it, and we're like, oh, no, it took about maybe two years for them to come. But we tend, they tend to show up in our nativity sets and stuff because it's just, it's cute, and we like it, and it's, it brings us joy to remember this story. What, what else do we think of when we think of it? I'm going to ignore Santa. Uh, okay, challenging circumstances. Okay. What else? Hustle and bustle, okay, kind of our current Christmas situation. And I heard, what was it, forgiveness of sin? Yeah. The, the Christmas story being the start of Jesus' story, which we know, 
I'm going to say ends on the cross, but we know it doesn't end there, right? But his, his ministry on earth to redeem us begins with the Christmas story, a baby being born. When we think of the Christmas story, it tends to bring us joy. We tend to think of this kind of like cute, happy time. The, the angel, when he came to the shepherds, what did he say to the shepherds? Anybody remember? Fear not. Every time you see an angel, the next word out of their mouth is going to be fear not every single time. After, hey, stop freaking out, what did he say? I bring you good tidings of what? Of great joy. Luke 2.10, do not be afraid. Okay, always starts with that. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The angel came and went, not only good news, this is news that is going to produce joy in everyone that recognizes what is happening. But what I want to look at this morning, and I want to ask this question, would it have seemed joyful to everyone in the story, as we tend to think of joy? We think of Mary and, and Joseph and all these people, but would it have been all sunshine and roses? Would they have just heard everything and went, awesome, can't wait? I think what we find when we actually truly look at the Christmas story is maybe something a little different. Let's start in, in Luke 1, verse 26. Okay, this is where the Christmas story typically begins. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this may be. Did you ever catch that? Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Not just troubled that an angel showed up, though she was, and he'll tell her the same thing he tells everybody, don't be afraid. But he shows up and he says, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary says, Wait, 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 what kind of a greeting is this? What do you want? You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Why? She doesn't just go, awesome, thanks. She is troubled because she knows angels don't just show up to everybody for no reason. He's not here to just tell me, hey, Merry Christmas. There wasn't Christmas yet. Was, okay, so... He wants something. He's here to tell me something big. And she knew the stories of when God showed up in the past. Great things would happen, but it wasn't an easy road to walk. And so Mary is troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. She may have even been sitting there going, are you sure you have the right person? You just showed up and we haven't really introduced each other. Maybe you want the person down the street. Are you sure you should be here? Luke continues, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. Oh, he knows my name. He is at the right house. Okay. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary said? Since I am a virgin, 
The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, we looked at Elizabeth and Zechariah's story last week, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Joyful news, right? Like, the, like she would have known what this meant. The Messiah is coming. The Son of God is being born into the world, and he has chosen you. Joyful news, right? Okay, she gets it. Joyful news, right? But let me ask you this. <laughs> Some of you. <laughs> would it have been easy news to receive? It was joyful. It was. It, may it be to me as you have said. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm willing. I'm in. But Mary understood this was great news for all people, but it's hardship for me. What were the realities of unwed pregnancy in the first century? Shame. Potentially, you're dead. Like literally at any point in time, someone could see an unmarried woman walking around with a baby, pick up a rock and throw it at her and been completely within their rights. Other people probably would have encouraged them to because she was a sinner. She had a baby outside of wedlock. She should be shunned, maybe even killed. What else? What were the realities of unwed pregnancy? There was a huge amount of shame that came with it. We'll, we'll get to Joseph, man. <laughs> Joseph wasn't pregnant, okay? Yeah, no, we're going to get there exactly because there's, there's two sides to it. But let's just, let's just think. Where did Mary live at 16, unwed? I say 16. We think somewhere in that ballpark, a, a young woman. She would have lived with her parents, right? Many of us today would be terrified to go home to our parents and tell them I have a baby outside of wedlock. It happens all the time. But many of us today, there would be this, how are they going to react and what is going to happen? It was a, like back then, everything was escalated. We don't have anywhere in scripture about how Mary's parents responded. We don't have any mention of her parents at all. Did they disown her? Did they kick her out? Were they understanding? We don't know. But imagine even at just receiving the news, what am I going to tell my parents? How, what, how am I going to tell these people that I really care about? We have big, like, reveal parties and all of that kind of stuff now. No, no, no. Mary actually, like, we'll look at it in a little bit. She went into seclusion. There was a go and hide aspect to this. Was this joyful news that the angel gave her? It was. Was it really, really difficult news the angel gave her? Yes. And the question had to be going through her mind, which Kitty brought up, what am I going to tell Joseph? She was already engaged to this man. How am I going to go and tell him? Not only that I'm pregnant, but oh, don't worry, it's God's baby. You know that thing we've never, ever heard of happening before? Well, it happened to me. <laughs> Great news, right, Joseph? 
Like, you can imagine how troubled she would be within herself. What a difficult road she had to walk. The Christmas story is not just some cute story. We dumb it down sometimes, and I think we do it disservice. There was incredible difficulty amidst the joy that was happening. So what am I going to tell Joseph? Over in Matthew chapter 1, we have Joseph's side of the story. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary, nope, yes, that can't be right. Jesus' mother, okay. I was thinking Joseph's mother, I was in my head, nope. Let's start that one again, what do you guys say? This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, if you're this taller, lower, cover your ears, they hadn't had sex yet, okay? (laughs) They were not married yet, because back then, to be betrothed and to be married, like, betrothal already was very contractual. Like, you couldn't just go, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, you basically had already signed a covenant, but it was saying they hadn't become married, they hadn't consummated their marriage yet. So when she's pregnant, here's one thing Joseph knows, wasn't me. Would have remembered, okay? It was a big deal, would have remembered. What would Joseph have thought? She's been seeing someone else. She's an adulteress. Because again, logically, virgins hadn't become pregnant before. Wasn't really a thing, okay? He's thinking there's only one answer. She's committed adultery. She's cheated on me. She's broken this covenant that we have. And so the next verse, because Joseph, her husband, see, again, it already says husband because there was a very fine line between engaged and married in those days. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me read between the lines there. Joseph was a good dude. What this, what Joseph could have done, because it says there he was faithful to the law, He could have, and maybe some would have viewed him, should have been the first one to pick up a rock. She had disgraced him. Everyone would have known that they were engaged. Everyone would have known that she was pregnant and it wasn't him. And so even by like leaving her, by by breaking off their engagement, he still would have suffered disgrace and shame. But Joseph was such a good dude that he said, I'm going to do this quietly. I don't want to bring disgrace on her. Even though, again, he's he's thinking the only thing that makes sense, she's cheated on me. She's hurt me. She's disgraced me. I don't want to retaliate in kind. I don't want to make this harder for her because I know she already has a really hard road ahead of her. And so Joseph is a really good dude and decides to, let's just do this quietly and save her as much headache as possible. I'm going to be honest, I would have been far more petty. So maybe I don't pick up a rock and start throwing them at her, like I don't know, but I definitely would have been telling people, hey, just so you guys know, wasn't my fault at all. Like, I had nothing to do with this, this was all her, like I would have been petty. But Joseph... Joseph decides, I'm going to preserve what I can for her. I'm going to deal with her as gently and as quietly as I can. 
in verse 20, the next verse. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let me ask you, was this good news? Was this joyful news that the angel spoke to Joseph? Yes. God is coming to save his people, to redeem them from their sin. God is coming to be with you. What great news, Joseph. But also, you are to marry this woman, and no one will really understand what is happening? What would Joseph have had to endure because of this joyful news that he had received? We kind of talked here what Mary had coming her way, how people would have viewed her. How would people view Joseph? What would he have had to endure? Okay. Yeah, man, that Joseph guy, he's whipped. She cheated on him before they were married, and he's such a pushover, he decided to marry her anyway. Okay. What else? He may have had some we also don't know how Joseph's family handled things, but you're bringing her into our family. You're giving her our name. Our son deserves better than this. Boy, Christmas would have been awkward for them, right? Again, because Christmas would have, okay. What else might Joseph have had to endure because of this news? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, people around looking at him and wondering, you know, yeah, he said it wasn't him, but was it him? And, you know, I mean, it, yeah. if people were, were critical then like they are now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure, Joseph, it was the Lord. Okay. He would have had all kinds of public shame because, again, he's either a pushover who just stuck with the girl that cheated on him or... He's not telling us what really happened. Like, okay? I mean, it would have affected every part of Joseph's life because we know that Joseph was a carpenter, okay? Back then, most everybody was an independent contractor kind of idea. Your reputation was everything. And in Israel, if you were seen as a lawbreaker, if you were seen as unfaithful to the law, people wouldn't talk to you, let alone do business with you. This potentially affected his livelihood, his future. This was joyful news given to Joseph. And again, we see that Joseph takes it on himself, I, I will obey. I will do what the Lord has commanded me to do. But it was a hard road for Joseph to walk. It would have had to have been a difficult road. So then we get to the really cute part. 
of the Christmas story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Real quick, if you ever have to read from the Bible and there's names, make it up. If you just say it confidently, no one's going to be like, I think it's Quirinius. Like, just say it confidently. No, everyone gets nervous about these things. Just be confident. No one will question. So this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. See how I did that? And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest rooms available for them. That's the cute part, right? Again, we have the little nativity scenes and the weird little baby adults that are like standing there and there's an angel hanging and like it's a cute little scene. But again, let's think about it a little bit. So it was 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Okay, maybe, hopefully Mary had a donkey to ride. Has anyone in here ever actually ridden a donkey? Was it comfortable? It doesn't look it. Now imagine some form of pregnancy. We don't, it doesn't say, we tend to tell the story that like she came in ready to burst, okay? We don't know that. But she came in while pregnant, riding on this donkey. They, they tend to estimate that it would have taken a week riding eight hours a day on this donkey to get there. Like, not a fun trip, right? We think it's all cute and everything, like would have been really difficult trip. Ah. Uh, Let's call it a month that it took them because of all the bathroom breaks. Okay, anyone here ever been in a barn? Me too. How pleasant was it? It stinks. It stinks. It's like an active barn. It's like warm in a stinky <laughs> You can almost taste the air. You know what I mean? Okay, so let alone a first century barn. I don't even know. We have all of the, in the nativity set, oh, and there's a cow, and there's a donkey, and there's a sheep, and it's so cute. We, if you ever actually really get close to these animals, they're filthy. They smell like what they roll around in all of the time. The equivalent today would be something along the lines of, there was no room at the hospital, so they pointed Mary to the parking garage. There's a pretty secluded corner over there where you can go and have your baby. Like, this was not some cute little thing of, we have all this fresh straw, and we're just going to, like, oh. this would have been devastating news. I mean, imagine going to the hospital and them just going, it's full. We have a yard out back. We can't even really imagine it today, but it's just become cute. For them, this would have been, we can't even have a room? I have to go give birth to my child in a filthy, still active barn? The king of kings, because again, Mary and Joseph were hip to what was happening, is born, and it's, they swaddled him in cloth, is how we tell the stories. They found barn rags and wrapped him up in rags. Again, not a cute story. This would have been something they had to deal with in the moment of, I can't, Joseph, I can't believe this is what we have for our son. 
My arms are tired. Where are we even going to put him down? Hold on. Let me shoo some animals away from this dirty feeding trough. Trough him. We'll put him in there. We, oh, it's a cute little manger. This would have been devastating as a parent. This is where we have for our son to be born? It was not this kind of just really cute, happy story that we tend to think about. This would have been a very difficult road. Like, do you ever think if Mary and Joseph wondered, did we hear him wrong? Like, this can't be it, right? If what the angel said is true, the Messiah is coming. This miraculous thing that has led us to a whole lot of hardship, if that is true, this can't be the way that it ends. Us in a dirty barn with our baby in rags sitting in the cow's feeding trough. This can't be it. Like, I, I'm, we don't have it in the scripture. This is simply me speculating. I would have been saying, did we hear wrong? This can't be it. But it's in the midst of this situation, out in a field outside of town, that an angel shows up to some shepherds and says, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Because right now, in that town over there, in that stinky barn, in that dirty feeding trough, you're going to find a baby wrapped up in rags. Go worship him. In the midst of this situation, like, think about it, if you're the shepherds, we always think that they were like, oh, finally, we, we were wondering when you would be here. The angels go away, the choir stops, and you know they would have had to look at themselves and go, did he say in the barn? He didn't say feeding trough, did he? I think he did. Well, let's go, I love it in the scripture, it says, let's go see if what the angel says is true. You know what I mean? They're like, because I don't know about some of that, okay? It doesn't make sense that the king of kings would come in this situation. This doesn't feel joyful. This actually feels hard. For the people in the Christmas story, the circumstances they found themselves in would not have been joyful. These wouldn't have necessarily been happy days. They were trying to figure out where are we going to give birth? What what it wouldn't have been happy for them. They would have been happy to have a healthy baby, like I think any of us would, but they would have looked at all the circumstances surrounding it and gone, I can't believe it. I can't believe that this is the story that we're going to have to tell. People still think this about me, Joseph. I know, I heard them whispering this about me, Mary. I get it. This wouldn't have been happy times for them. It's easy for us now, 2,000 years later, to see the Christmas story as cute because we know how it ends. We know the baby didn't get sick from all the filth in the stable. and we know, like We know all of these things, and so it's easy to look back and go, what a good story. You ever had one of those stories? Kim and I, we've traveled internationally a lot with students, and you find yourself in situations where you're going, no way this is really happening right now. This is crazy. What are we going to do? Ten years later, we tell the story and we laugh. There's a punchline, and it's because awesome, we know how it ended. But when you're in the middle of it, you're going, I can't believe it. No way this is the way things are turning out. Their circumstances were not joyful, but listen, that is great news for us today. They were in the midst of really difficult circumstances. 
that had joy woven through it, but it was hard days for them. And that's really good news for us today. Because here's what that should clue us into. Joy doesn't come from circumstances. The angel didn't go, I have good news of great joy because everything's going to be easy. He says, I have good news of great joy, and it's in a place where you're not going to expect it. And those people have been through a really rough time, and they have a rough time coming. But I have great news of great joy in the midst of it. Our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. And listen, thank God it doesn't. Because if it did, I could take your joy away and you could take mine away. A bad day and all of a sudden we're robbed of joy if it's only based on our circumstances. If it's only based on things turning out like we thought they would or going as we hoped they would. If that's how fickle joy is, joy isn't really a gift. Because it can be snatched away from any one of us. We need to have a proper understanding of joy as the scripture talks about joy. The next slide there, guys, is a video. I forgot to tell them beforehand. Um, Brian, two weeks ago, shared a video from the Bible Project and talked about what a great resource they are to help us understand some of the themes in scripture. Uh, and they have, so we looked at the one on hope. They have a really good one on joy. So just watch this video and then we'll talk about it. I really appreciate that redefining of the word joy uh, because listen, when you read the Christmas story, again, what we just talked about, they wouldn't have just been happy all the time. Joy and happiness are separate things and it's important for us to understand that as followers of Jesus. The, the people in the Christmas story, they had troubles. They had difficulties that came up. The things the Lord called them to at times made life harder. There was blessing in the midst of it, but there was also trial in the midst of it. Everything didn't work out exactly as they had planned. Like, if you think about Mary and Joseph when they were talking about, should we get engaged? There wasn't this, yeah, and what if everybody thinks that we're adulterers? Wouldn't that be awesome? And then we'll have this kid that people will think is illegitimate and it'd be great. Like, this wasn't how they had planned for their lives to go. But they were still able to choose joy in the midst of it. Again, it's easy for us to see it as a joyful story because we know how it ends. But they, in the midst of it, were still able to choose joy. Because remember, joy is not a product of our circumstances. Everything is going good, therefore I can have joy is a misunderstanding. Listen, that's an emotion that we call happiness. Happiness is a very natural response. When the circumstances around me are good, I naturally get happy. And it does, that is not a bad thing. That is a, a blessing from the Lord. That's a gift that we have. But how long do circumstances really stay good? Maybe to the end of the day, maybe to the end of the week, but something always happens. There's always something that comes along that I didn't expect, that I didn't want, that I didn't plan for, and all of a sudden the circumstances take a downturn. Life is full of, of ups and downs. We all know that. And if our joy is only in the up times and it's taken from us in the down times, we've misunderstood joy. Happiness, again, that emotional response, comes and goes. And I'm so grateful for the times when it's just easy to be happy. I'm so grateful for those. But joy is meant to be a constant marker in the life of the believer, regardless of circumstances. Joy is meant actually to be something that marks us in culture. 
that people look at us and go, how do they have this joy all the time? Even in the midst, or maybe especially in the midst, of difficulty, they don't give up hope, they don't throw in the towel, they still have this underlying joy. Joy is meant to distinguish us from the world around us, to separate us so that they look at us and go, wow, I want what they have. I want to, in the the difficult times, to still be able to keep my chin up and just keep moving forward. I want what they have. Joy is a, a fruit of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers. Get Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Listen, these fruits of the Spirit that He bears in our lives are meant to be completely different from any love, joy, peace, patience that the world can produce on its own. If when good things are are good, you get happy, then we we really don't need the Holy Spirit for that, right? If that's all it's talking about is when life's going good, we have a smile, everyone has that. But what about when life is difficult? Are we still able to rejoice in those times? Are we still able to choose joy on the darker days? Joy is not a product of circumstances. Joy is a product of faith. Joy in the life of the believer comes in faith of what God has promised. It comes as a result of faith in what God has promised. It doesn't change day by day or situation by situation because, praise God, he doesn't change day by day or situation by situation. Our joy can remain steady because he remains steady. I'm going to jump back real quick to what Mary, oh, i got to try to find it. The angel talking to Mary, he said, for no word from God will ever fail. Where did Mary's joy come from? From her faith in that what God said would happen, would happen. Even on those days on a 90-mile donkey ride, she's still going, but God is still going to do what he said he's going to do. I'm not having very much fun today, but God is still going to do what he said he's going to do. And so she was able to choose joy in the midst of it. She didn't experience joy because of the unwed pregnancy and all of the junk that came with it, but she experienced joy in the midst of all of that. And I think it came from this in, in Luke 1.28. Remember when the angel first came in his very first greeting to her, he said, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Again, we don't have it, but I'm just wondering, did Mary carry this around with her on those difficult days and go, this is a hard day. I can't believe someone just said that to me. I can't believe they're treating me this way. But I believe that what God said is true. I am highly favored. The Lord is with me, even on this dark day. And that joy begins to come from that. Lord, you have never left me. You have never failed me before, and you're not going to start now. And there's this courage and this joy that comes from it, regardless of our circumstances. In the Christmas story, we have two people who we would say, get it, that we have written down that they get it. Again, Joseph was a really good dude. 
We don't have all of Joseph's whole story and how he responded and what he said, whether it started as just kind of a duty, okay, the Lord has called me to this, I'm going to continue in it, whether he was like, yeah, I can't wait, we don't know. But there's two people that we get to actually see their response to it. One is Elizabeth and one is Mary. Elizabeth, we looked at last week, she's the mother of John the Baptist. Remember, she was barren, old in age, and the Lord said, you're going to have a son. And so she finds herself with her own miraculous pregnancy. People my age don't have babies. My son, or my, my husband, hasn't spoken for a year, maybe a blessing in itself, maybe whatever, but she finds herself in the midst of this, and Elizabeth and Mary are, the word cousins is used uh, in the Greek, but really what it just means is relatives. Whether they're first cousins, second, third, we don't know, but they're relatives, they know each other, and they actually turn to each other in the midst of this time. So back to Luke 139. At that time, right after Mary got that news from the angel, may it be to me as you have said, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We talked about that Last week, when, when the angel was telling Zechariah about his son that was to be born, he said he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in the womb. And so the not even born yet John hears the voice of Mary and does backflips in his mom's womb because he knows what's coming. And so Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Elizabeth was not naive. It's not that she didn't know what was waiting for Mary. We talked about this last week. Elizabeth had lived with a life of shame and disgrace because she was barren. And that was seen as you were cursed, you were second class. If you were a real woman, you'd be able to bear children. Like, whatever lies were told to her, she knew some of what was coming for Mary. And did she come and go, oh, Mary, I'm so sorry. This is going to be tough. She said, how is it that I'm even allowed to be, like, a participant in this? How did I get so blessed that you would even come to me? She knew the road was going to be tough, but she saw the blessing in the midst of it. She saw the joy, and I love, she even gives the reason. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary, your blessing and your joy come from your faith. Things are going to get hard. Days are going to be dark. Barns are going to get stinky. But blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Then you have Mary's response right after that. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. If you remember from last week, Mary was practicing what I taught, so she's a good listener. She was in the habit of looking back to look forward. Where did her faith come from? Where did her joy come from? God has been faithful every single time before. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered the proud. He has brought down rulers, but but lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry and the rich. He's been faithful to his servant, Israel. She strengthened herself by going, he has always been faithful before. Why won't he be faithful now? And so this joy comes out where she's even going, the world isn't even going to believe in the future how blessed I am. Again, Mary knew what was coming. This wouldn't have been a surprise. People aren't a fan of unwed pregnancy? What? Like, she knew. And she said, how blessed am I to be able to be a part of what God is doing? Neither Mary nor Elizabeth were ignorant of their circumstances, but they chose faith and joy in the midst of their circumstances because they believed that God would do all that God has promised to do. Does this make sense, church? So many in here today are in the midst of some difficult circumstances. Sometimes the holidays just bring their own stress and difficulties, and family can be weird, and jobs are hard right now. There's there's a lot in here I know that are in difficult circumstances, and I have what at face value is a very simple question, but I think goes much deeper. How's your joy? In the midst of your difficult circumstances, this stressful time of year, whatever it may be, would people look at you and go, but man, there's still this joy. If I was in their situation, I'd be freaking out, but like, they're still smiling. Not this goofy grin that like everything, but like they're still able to hold their head up. There's this joy that marks them. Because this is the calling of God for each of us who are believers in Christ, is that his Holy Spirit bears the fruit of joy and that the world around us looks at it and goes, what is that? How did you even get that? How are you not a mess right now? I'd be a puddle on the floor. How is your joy in the midst of this season right now? Maybe you're on a mountaintop and it's easy. Awesome. Ride that wave. That is a blessing from God. Enjoy it. Maybe things have started to turn down or maybe they've been down for a while. How is your joy? A different way of asking this, where is your faith? Is it in your circumstances and that one day this will turn around and get better? Or is your faith in the promises of God? Blessed is she who believes the promises of God. How's your joy in the midst of this season? I'm going to ask the music team to come up and we're going to close the service. And listen, if I ask that question, how's your joy and something and you didn't want to answer, or you kind of know, like, probably not where it should be, I'm going to encourage you to pray with someone here this morning. If you're not sure who to pray with, you can come up to this section over here and some of our elders will meet with you and pray for you. And it could be as simple as, I'm not experiencing the joy that I know I should. And let them pray with you. Maybe you've come with someone that you know pretty well. And during the song, you can just go, hey, would you pray for me? Listen, my eyes are too fixed on my circumstances. And I'm missing the joy that the Lord has for me. And if you're someone who is praying with them, simply to pray for their faith. 
Lord, may they have the faith to believe that you will do all you have promised to do. May they look to you instead of to the world around them and may joy be born out of it. Does this make sense, church? So listen, if you're, again, I'm not talking happy bouncing off the walls, but this, this underlying, I'm going to be okay because God is going to do what he says he's going to do. If that's missing right now, don't leave this place in that same state. Worship, pray, walk with one another. God desires joy for all of his people. He's promised it to us if we will turn to him for it. So let me pray and then we'll worship. Lord Jesus, as any of us know who are more than a few days old, we can't produce our own joy. We can try to fake it for a little bit, but we'll just get bitter. Would you, through your Holy Spirit, bear the fruit of joy in your people, good days and bad? Maybe be the kind of people who just can't stop giving praise to our King because we believe he will fulfill every promise he has made. And Lord, if in the truth in our hearts, we're not sure that we can actually say that, may we bring that to you. I want to be joyful, but I'm struggling to believe that you can in this situation, God. You will never turn away from us. You will never shame us. You say actually that if any of us lacks this kind of wisdom, that we're to come to you and you give generously to all without finding fault, without pointing fingers. So Lord, wherever we find ourselves this morning, may we truly be able to leave this place rejoicing because of what you have done and what we know that you will do in the future. So just come and minister to the hearts of your people, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.